It's time to accelerate. Hi, I'm your host, Andy Paul. Join me as I host conversations with the leading experts in sales, marketing, sales automation, sales process, leadership, management, training, coaching, any resource that I believe to help you accelerate the growth of your sales, your business, and most importantly, you. Hello and welcome to Accelerate. I'm excited to talk with my guest today. Joining me is Justin Christensen, founder and president of Conversion Fanatics. Now, there's this tendency among sales and, and business development professionals to look at the whole world of online sales as sort of a completely separate discipline from selling and that you know, how they appeal to the prospects and how they move them to the funnel is, is really different from a direct sell prospect. But you know, my thought is not really that much different. And my guest today is an industry-leading expert on converting initial buyer interest into an order. So, you know, some people call it online marketing, but it is outright selling. And we're going to talk about the lessons you as a sales rep, whether you're a field rep, an SDR, or an account exec, can learn from conversion experts like Justin to make your selling more effective. So, Justin, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Andy. I appreciate it. So just take a minute, please, and introduce yourself to the audience. Well, I'm... Uh... A self-proclaimed numbers junkie, um, best-selling author on the topic of conversion optimization and testing, and uh, been doing this whole marketing thing for about 13 years, and uh, started our company a couple years ago after um, some big demand and a lot of interest from a lot of our, our circle of influence and uh, some people outside of it, and it's just been a wonderful ride since then. Perfect. And you're based in Austin, Texas. I am. All right, so let's sort of jump right into this. That you know, great copy has to do a number of things. You know, when people come to the website, it has to do a number of things the moment people come and and arrive on the site. And certainly, first impressions are really important in that whole that whole aspect of it. So, talk a little bit about that. How do you focus on creating these positive first impressions? Because in sales, it's absolutely essential. I mean, there's more literature coming out all the time talking about the absolute criticality of creating positive first impressions. Yeah, I mean. It's kind of weird, and it does transfer over to sales too online because, like you said, it was it's always sales. I mean, at the end of the day, it's grabbing the attention, it's building that relationship, and trying to do it in a way that's a time effective. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so there has been studies that have been coming out that in a normal conversation, you have seven to eight seconds to capture the attention of somebody and keep it. And online, it's about three seconds, and it's only getting about, and it's only getting worse. Yeah, well, that's so, actually, and I talk about it in my latest book because I did research on uh, this whole idea of sort of what they call you know, precognitive processing of of data. That actually, you know, people are forming their first impressions of people within the first quarter of a second. Oh, two hundred yeah, fifty milliseconds. Yeah, I mean that's that's key, especially when you're working in the online space too. Is I see so many, I mean, I critique so many sites. Um, I've probably critiqued two dozen this week already. And you really have to lead with what it is you do and how it's going to benefit your visitors very quickly. And we have found that even in our business development side that if we tried to go with like a longer pitch or something, you know, more drawn out, we don't get their attention. We don't get the response that we're looking for. And we don't make that impact and we don't get a chance to actually show exactly what we do and how we can benefit from their um, their company. So how's that translate into your actual conversation then your, your outbound sales reps have and then compared to, what let's say, what's on your website? 
Um, it's it's pretty similar. So we lead very quickly. Our website is more of like get to know us a little bit better mm-hmm. um, and leading them down a specific path. And then our like outbound efforts is all about just creating that instant conversation, getting some kind of conversation started. And then we lead it with value from there. And so do you start that conversation with a question? Yeah. A simple yes or no question is what we have been finding to be the the most benefit. Interesting. Do you you have three minutes to take a look at something if I send it over? Yes or no? Yeah. And I I have uh, one company I work with, they'd say, uh, do you have 29 seconds? Right. And they use a a deliberately odd number because people start curious. Well, what can you tell me in 29 seconds? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, we found that three minutes seems to be the the, the benefit for us mm-hmm. um, in all of our testing. But that translates to um, over on online too. Is you have very short attention span. You got to grab their attention really quick. So when I go into a testing situation, the first thing I look at is headlines. Um, I've known guys to pay fifteen hundred dollars just for somebody to write them a sixteen word headline because it's that important. We see the most. If you're going to test anything, test your headline because that's going to have the most impact. We've seen up to 128% increases in conversions just by changing the headline. So what's your headline when you're doing direct selling? Headline when direct selling, that is just leading in and I usually find the pain point and then tie it into the benefit very quickly. So that's... Really interesting because it you know, speaks to, you know, sort of getting rid of some of the fluff at the beginning of sales calls, certainly dispensing with that that corporate capabilities pitch. As you said, you've got that simple yes-no question, which leads to very quickly making the customer understand exactly what you do so they understand what's in it for them to invest that three minutes of time with your yeah. sales guy. Yeah, and it's, it's a lot of effort because we lead with a lot of value. We actually send them a, a critique. So we will actually give them some information, some value. It's like, here, here's a bunch of test ideas for your site that we see on the surface. And that leads to a further conversation. It's like, hey, those are great ideas. And then it opens up a warmer relationship when you finally get on the phone. Yeah. So you've done that proactively before you even pick up the phone. Yep. So they're already educated on some of what we do on their own time before we ever pick up the phone. And that's a great. So it leads it leads straight into basically a sales conversation. It's like, okay, what are your further pain points, and then how can we solve that problem? And then they start asking the typical buyer questions and you know pricing questions and things like that to where we can actually go in for you know the proposal phase, which is our setup. Yeah, which I think is a great great lesson you take from online into the into the direct selling world is is. Getting to, like I said, the value of what's in it for them very quickly, mm-hmm. and you know certainly you do that online. You said you've got a, a great headline. You're really focused on really the first thing you're trying to do is build some trust, right? I mean, you're going to yeah. engage them, but you got to build some trust there. Yeah, it comes down to. I mean, we we kind of focus on the main elements online, and we've transferred that over and tested our way to you know something that works pretty effectively in our business development side of our, our company is we focus on the headline, the benefits, the call to action, and what they get as a result of that call to action very quickly. And that's pretty much any online situation that can transfer over into a business development side too. 
Yeah, and I'm one of the, you know, you have the benefit, I don't want to say the benefit, it's not a unique benefit, I was going to say, is you have the ability to go and, you know, to critique somebody's website, but no matter what product or service you're selling, you can go do similar research about a customer, and maybe it's not their website, but you can do about their business, their markets, their competitors, and be armed on that first call. And this is really one of the real complaints about uh, sales reps we get from customers these days, is that... I think the statistic I heard recently is roughly about 80% of, of uh, executives believe that they get no value from sales calls with salespeople. So, yeah, I, yeah that's, that's a crazy stat, and I would agree. I mean, I know I get bombarded yeah, with I sales do too. presentations all the time, and it's the same thing. They're like, here's what I do. Look at how great I am. Right, but they just like, sort of done the equivalent to what you do with doing a critique of the website. But look at people's market. Look at their business. Look at their company. Look at their competitors. At least they'd be armed with something they could demonstrate to the prospect that yeah, there's a little value coming here. You know, it's not just uh, not just me gonna make a pitch. I've, I've got some insight, perhaps, into what you're doing, and let's have this conversation. Yeah, I mean, when I get on the phone with a prospect, I know everything about them. Typically, you know, I know as much as I can possibly know about them. You know, do they like playing tennis? <laughs> you know, I mean. Thing, things to that. Anything I can have to get that warm warm up that relationship and provide the value a little quicker um, is is very beneficial. Yeah, and one of the things also that you talk about, and I want to have sort of an image in mind for sales reps, is sales reps really have, you'd use the term conversion copywriter, or I saw that somewhere on your site, is that's really describes what a sales rep has to be these days, is they have to really be focused on the words they use to be able to convert interest into qualification and get people into a buying process that results in an order. And I, yeah. And so what would tips would you give sales reps to say, you know, how do we, how do we more formally a B test, you know, the, the words we use to approach prospects? Yeah. I mean, you just got to see what kind of reaction. I mean, if you've been using the same presentation forever and you're getting certain level of results, try tweaking just individual pieces of it. Maybe ask a question in a little bit different way. Um, you know, that's something that I've played with a lot in in our outbound is what can we change that's very small that we can measure in that conversation? And it's just leading again with the value. If we lead with the value first, it opens up and really doesn't the sales conversation from that point isn't so much about how you say things. I have, you know, I'm not the greatest salesperson in the world, but I've been able to get pretty solid results because I'm leading from a place of giving first and then it just warms up that relationship. So maybe you are the world's greatest salesperson. Well, I don't know about that, but well, I mean, <laughs> come a long way. Right. Well, I mean, it's, you know, people have this, these images in their mind of what a great salesperson is. And it's, it's like, yeah, actually, if you're being really effective, there's no, there's no model, there's no stereotype. It's, it's what works, right? Based on your results. Yeah. So, when people come to a website, I mean, saw an article that's talking about sort of five keys to to move people through the process, and and the first one is you know you're trying to get people to you're trying to engage them up front, and we just sort of uh -huh. talked about that. You know, how do you engage? How do you trigger the curiosity of of a prospect real quickly? And what do you find online? What what's sort of the key to inspire people to take that next step? Um, it's it's benefits. That's that's the the biggest thing. It all comes down to, and the psychological aspect of it is 
people only buy or take action for two reasons, and that is to avoid pain or gain pleasure. I mean, obviously, it's weighed heavily towards the avoid pain side because not everybody can afford these luxury items, you know, that helps with that pleasure senses. But you just got to really hone in on exactly what their pain points are and how your problem or your solution can solve it. Um, you know, your product, your service, it doesn't matter what you're selling. It's all the core fundamentals. And to grab that attention is it always starts back with a headline and then you lead with benefits and don't overly explain your benefits. Um, Meaning? Just, mm, a lot of people think that they need these long paragraphs of explaining exactly what they do and how it's going to benefit them. I find that it's beneficial just to go out and list a few bullet points exactly what we can do and how it's going to benefit you. And a lot of companies that I see, particularly like in software as a service, I know that's heavy on, you know, the, you know, sales side. Mm -hmm, They've mm -hmm. got a lot of reps. We've got one software as a service company that's got over 80 account executives. Right. And we just lead with those short little benefits. And a lot of companies will lead with the features. It's like, look, here's how great we are, but it doesn't tie back to that pain point of exactly what it's going to do for them and why that feature is actually relevant. Yeah, it seems like if you, and I believe that if you go too deep too fast is you begin to lose the customer. Because what you're trying uh -huh. to do is you're trying to, again, have a little bit of mystery in terms of what the next steps are going to be and what they're going to continue to learn as they go through the process. And to get people into that next step, I find it it isn't just so much to have like a, a form on on your site. It's you got to tell them what to do next, which is, so that, is true in sales, right? I mean, you have to be very explicit about what the expectations are, mm -hmm. the steps the customer is going to take in re, in response or in exchange for having received something of value from you. Yeah, and. I, I never leave a phone conversation without trying to book the next appointment. Oh, yeah. you know, whether, that, whether that be to review a proposal or any situation, I give them that call to action. It's like, okay, when, what's your Wednesday look like? Right. And now the other thing that's really key is you know, we start talking about building trust and so on. This seems to be an area that's really problematic for, for salespeople, and it you know, you talk about it in the content on your site, which I think is probably problematic for copywriters as well as, is using the language of the customer. Mm -hmm. You know, talk in the language of the customer, make sure the customer understands that you have some, some experience, some domain expertise, some understand business acumen, if you will, about the challenges that they face. Yeah. And we use that, we use a lot of case studies in that example, um, where say we've got an e-commerce store or a software as a service company, and we've done work on previous software as a service company landing pages, we'll use those kind of specific examples. It's like, okay, if we change this, we've seen an average of about 80% increase. Are you guys experiencing that type of problem with your site? And it just ties it back every time I ask the question, then I'll, I'll tie it back when I give the benefit. I'll tie it back to exactly in their language and specific to their site, exactly how it could benefit them and ask them if that would be of a benefit. Yeah, and one of the real key points you're just talking about too, it's sort of a sub point that you had is you talked about 80% of the time that you know, you've got data. And the problem still with sales that you know, I'm trying to work with, with people through this podcast and other, other venues on is that 
is we have a lot of data coming into sales, but one of the points we're not doing is we're not keeping data on individual practices and results of sales reps mm -hmm. in terms of, yeah, I, I, I use this verbiage or this wording in talking to five prospects today, and I'm going to track how that ultimately resulted in an outcome. And then I'm going to, but I'm going to record that. But right now it's all anecdotal. Yep. And when you can't leave it as anecdotal, if we really want to see improvements in productivity and sales reps being more productive for the amount of time they're spending, is they have to start tracking this just like you guys do online in the conversion experts. Is yeah, I said these things, I'm going to track this throughout the sales process and see how that ultimately results in the outcome or doesn't. And then tweak it. But actually yeah. keep keep the data. Absolutely. I mean, if you don't know your, your data, even it's a little bit tougher to track, obviously, when you're having one on one conversations or even group conversations. But there is, like you said, you break it down. If you have a dozen sales calls this week, split it up into two, three, four, five at a time and just see kind of what that situation. Maybe you start with a different opener. Um, maybe you ask for the, the sale a little bit different and just test and see how that affects it. And well, it's the same well, thing with online. Yeah, and there are tools that are coming. They're available, uh, ExecVision.io, Spearfish, and others that enable you to record sales calls, that you can transcribe them. You can, you can start tracking this information. And as sales reps, you really need to be thinking about it at a really finite level. It's not just your process. It's not, not how you dress. You know, it's not necessarily the, even specific value proposition, but you have to track the words that you use and the impact they have. Yeah, absolutely. You need to track everything and and just try to be better. I mean, one of our mantras at our company is continuous improvement daily. We try to be better than we were yesterday. And whether that's sales calls, our outbound efforts, working with clients, we try to just see how we can do it better than the previous day. And we've done a ton of of testing on the outbound side and creating engagement. I mean, before we came online, we were talking briefly. And I mean, we've sent probably, I don't know, 60,000 plus emails in the last uh, 12 months and just tracking exactly what, you know, what's the most effective. And, you know, we were seeing slight improvements here and there, and then we'd keep testing and we'd hire a, you know, a consultant to help us with our outbound efforts and test their things. We'd read a book on it, test that thing, and we'd measure every single email. And then we finally came up with a formula of exactly which emails at which time work the most effectively. Yeah. And you're able to do that with your outbound sales calls, whether it's a voice call, as you said, whether it's an email that's part of your cadence for your outreach, all that stuff can be tracked and improved. And you really need to do that because you know, the difference between winning and losing these days is so slight, you know, especially in, as markets become more commoditized, products become quickly commoditized, services become quickly commoditized. How are you setting yourself apart from the other guy? Well, as I like to say, you only have to be 1% better to win. And that could be, yeah. that could be in the quality of your outreach. Mm -hmm. And the, what really started it for us is we went from, you know, two to 3% response rate to 25%. Wow. On our on our outbound effort just by tweaking it. And now it's settled back in to we're about thirteen and a half percent response rate on I mean, we send out twenty-five emails, we send them in small batches. Some people might 
think you need to spread a wide net. We started out doing that because we really didn't know what we were doing on the outbound side. And we narrowed it down to small batches, very personal. And we send out 25 emails and we're going to get three to five presentations out of it. Yeah, excellent. That's good. Well, you guys can do my email. Um, <laughs> so we're going to take a short break and we'll come back again with my guest, Justin Christensen. When we come back, we'll talk about value propositions. Hi, this is Andy. Connect and Sell is used by sales reps at nearly a thousand companies, including hundreds of technology startups and several Fortune 500 companies, to overcome the challenges of getting prospects on the phone. Companies using Connect and Sell grow their revenues faster by enabling their sales reps to have more sales conversations in 90 minutes than they could otherwise achieve in an entire week. Connect and Sell can be deployed directly to your sales reps, or you can take advantage of their outbound on-demand service, which delivers qualified prospect meetings scheduled directly on your sales reps' calendars. Visit connectandsell.com to learn more about how Connect and Sell can start filling your pipeline today. All right, we're back with my guest, Justin Christensen of Conversion Fanatics. We've been talking about uh, ways you can learn from your direct selling through what happens and the techniques that they use for online marketing and conversion uh, optimization. So now we'll talk a little bit about value propositions. Um, very problematic for lots of salespeople. I mean, this encapsulating the value of what they do in a very succinct way that engages the customer inspires them to take the next step, starts to build some trust, is, is, seems to be one of the most problematic areas. So what are some of the specific um, components that a value proposition needs to have? I mean, one I saw that um, Eric Rowe was reading talk about, you have to make specific claims, but they have to can't be these traditional sort of high quality. Yeah, I mean, with the, with the USP, I think it comes down to you know, it, it. I hate to beat the dead horse here, but it does come down to the benefit again, and then figuring out a way that you are different. You know, there's your chances are you're not the only one in your market. <laughs> you're probably not selling some you know blue ocean type product. So you need to figure out exactly how you're different, and then present that in a way that's quick and easily digestible for your prospects. So, give some tips from the way that you write copy is is you know if you are sort of what's that most people are in markets where they're virtually indistinguishable from their competitors in terms of what they bring to the prospect in terms of features and benefits and so on so so where do you look at that point then to find differentiators um like one selling proposition i mean we're definitely not the only conversion rate company out there and one way that we set ourselves apart is communication so Meaning that we've heard so many horror stories from people saying, well, great, you're going to sign up, you know, two hours before our meeting, you're going to have a report for me. We're going to talk about some ideas and then I'm not going to hear from you again for two weeks. They've been burned so many times. So we made it to point that we're going to be extremely proactive on our communication. You're always going to know actually overly um, obnoxious in terms of our communication with our clients because we want them to know what's going on at every step of the way. And that served us really well and it's been a big selling point for us. So how do you mark how do you market that though? How do you sell that idea that we are more when you come with us, we're gonna provide a higher level of customer service after the sale. How are you communicating that before the sale as a value proposition or an element of your value proposition? 
Um, I really tie it down to what our process is. So a lot of companies or a lot of people in our space were used to, you know, it taking a month before they start seeing any action. So we sell it in a way that we're going to do our basic analysis. And our goal is to have your first test up and running within the first two weeks. So we tell them that, you know, immediately after we sign this agreement, we're going to do an intro. We're going to do everything we need to do. We're going to brief the team, get everybody up to speed, and then we're going to schedule your kickoff call. And that kickoff call takes place within two days. So we just try to speed up the process and get kind of ingrained into their processes as quickly as possible. And we communicate it in that fact that, you know, we're going to have a weekly meeting on the phone and then we we're going to tell you up to date with this certain platform. You know, we use Basecamp as our Mm -hmm. tool Mm -hmm. to communicate, but we tell them exactly what's going to happen. And then we make sure on that kickoff call, it's a warm handoff. Everybody knows the objectives. Everybody gets to know each other. And then we try to prove it to them within the first week that here's what our communication looks like. But in communicating it, we just tell them, okay, we're going to have a weekly meeting at least to start, at least for the first month via phone. And we tell them what goes on on those calls. And then we tell them how we communicate via email. So like we're always available. If you have questions, you know, we strive to get back to you same day or within 24 hours. Right. On all the communication. And we try, we tell them that I just flat out tell people when I'm talking to them, say, you know, I don't ever want you to come to us and say, hey, where are things at in the process? I want you to know before you even come to us. Well, and really what you're doing here, and and may to put it back into sales speak, is that when you have a value proposition, in order to differentiate your value is you need to quantify the value. Mm-hmm. So you've quantified it by explicating in pretty clear detail what your process is that's going to provide a great level of customer support for them after the fact. Yes. And so from a salesperson's perspective, what you have to really think about is how do I, how do I quantify the value? Because everybody has a value proposition. Mm-hmm. But the difference is how do you make that real to the prospect? How do you make that real to the buyer? And it's quantification. You got to relate it to something that's tangible to them that they're going to receive that they can, they can count, right? That's either they're counting time, they're counting money, they're counting something that that value is relating to. Yeah, you've always got to tie it back and it comes down again to the benefit. That's, they've got their benefit and that's their reason why. You know, and I know you probably know this, but money is usually never the factor <laughs> at the end of the day. Exactly. Um, so it, it comes down. Yeah. Yeah. It comes down to time, as you said. You know, when you're talking about your process, what they're deriving from that is you talk about your process as saying, A, with your process, that means we're going to get the benefit from what you promised more quickly than other companies because yep. it's going to get implemented. B, we're not going to spend as much time wondering what's happening because you're going to keep us in the loop at all times and communicate with us what the results are. So for them, it all comes down to time and reliability and the ultimate achievement of the goal that they were set out to achieve when they, they were evaluating your product and service. So you've really, yeah, that's, 
that's that's really all it comes down to is then that that helps build the trust factor too and we tell people that we're we're going to take care of 98 percent of your heavy lifting because one of the biggest problems is like we don't have bandwidth we know we need to be testing but we just don't have bandwidth so we help solve that problem by we've brought on you know team members in different areas to help solve that problem so we take care of the majority of the heavy lifting so they can do what's more important yeah. Rather than focusing yeah. on their tests. And we try to convey that benefit to them there too. And that helps build that level of trust as well. Yeah. Well, I think it's a great, a great lesson again for sellers is with your value proposition, you have state the value, but you got to quantify it in a way that's meaningful to the customer. Otherwise it's just an empty statement that has no value. Yeah. That's why I say the features always support it with benefit or benefit and then support it with the feature. Why is that that relevant? And that comes down to pretty much every touch point in the sales process, whether it's online or off. Okay. Well, great. Well, we're going to move on to the last segment of the show. And All I've right. got standard questions I pose to guests. They're always sort of fun to hear the answer. All right. So here, first one is a hypothetical scenario I pose to all my guests. You've been hired as a new sales leader at a company whose sales have stalled out, desperately need to be turned around. What two things would you do your first week on the job that would have the biggest impact? Find a better differentiator in how we can position the product and actually um, test the messaging would probably be my thing. That's my analytical mind is figuring out where people are falling off and then test to try to increase that engagement. Okay. Good. Makes sense. All right. Rapid fire question. Give me one word answers or you can elaborate if you wish. First one is when you're selling personally, what's, what's your most powerful sales attribute? Fun. <laughs> I love it. Great answer. So name one tool you use for managing your own sales for your own company that you can't live without. Sales loft. Okay. So you use the cadence product. Yep. Excellent. Uh, what's, Who's your sales role model? Oh, I read a ton of books. <laughs> um, I like The Hustle from Grant Cardone. Okay. Uh, recently, I mean, some people love him or hate him, but uh, I just like his his drive and determination. Okay. Uh, is there any other book that you recommend that salespeople read about conversion or engaging um, interest of prospects? Uh, the Greatest Salesman in the World is a great book that I've read mm -hmm. um, from the guy who Guinness book of world records for the most retail car sales. Um, can't remember his name, um, but it was a fantastic book. All right. We'll find the author and we'll put that on the website. Greatest salesman in the world. All right. Toughest question at all. What's, what's, uh, what's on your playlist these days? My playlist. Mm -hmm. um, you're, like you're, you're, talking. you're music central. You gotta have, gotta have music. Well, I am, and I'm a musician too. So I listen to a lot of lot of different things. Um, this morning was I was listening to the new version of "Sound of Silence" by Disturbed. Oh, the God. remake, the cover of it. I have to listen to that. It's actually a fantastic track. All right, as soon as we're hanging up, I'm listening to that. <laughs> All right. So, what's the first sales activity you do every day? Um, check my stats. And last question is, what's the one question you get asked most frequently by your customers? Price. 
What's your answer to the price question? It says it depends on the level of engagement. And then I try to tie it back into um, the actual pain points and their specific needs. Okay. To the ROI that they're going to get. Yeah. Excellent. Okay. Well, Justin, I want to thank you for joining me today. It's been a great conversation. My guest, Justin Christensen, tell people how they can find out more about you. Uh, find out anything about me at conversionfanatics.com or uh, find me on social at clickso, C-L-Y-X-O.com slash Justin Christensen. And is there someplace they can go and hear your music? Um, I've got a few tracks on YouTube, but it's kind of past. Um, <laughs> I've got a few covers on YouTube. You could probably find me if you search for me. Um, we're just me playing guitar, but, um, and we have an al- we had an album out when I was in a band back in my twenties, but, um, it's long, long past. I don't know if that's even <laughs> online anymore. No band in your future. No, I still play a little bit. We might do some more acoustic stuff here coming up, but. All right. So if you want to find them online on YouTube, well, Justin, again, thanks for being on the show. And remember, friends, make it a part of your day every day to deliberately learn something new to help you accelerate your success. And subscribing to this podcast is an easy way to do that because then you make sure you don't miss any of the valuable conversations we have with top business experts like our guest today, Justin Christensen, who share their expertise about how to accelerate the growth of your business. So thanks for joining us. And until next time, this is Andy Paul. Good selling, everyone. Thanks for listening to the show. If you like what you heard and want to make sure you don't miss any upcoming episodes, please subscribe to this podcast on iTunes or Stitcher.com. For more information about today's guests, visit my website at andypaul.com.